Well, good morning, church. It is great to be with you. Uh, my name is Ethan Magnus, one of the ministers here. Been gone for a couple weeks, but glad to be back with you today as we kick off a brand new series, Pile Up Rocks. Let's see, before we get started, I got to know a couple things. First of all, did everyone get a rock on your way in? Everybody got your rock? If you did not get one, you need a rock. We got people coming around with rocks for you. This is not one per family or something like that. Every person needs a rock. Give us a hand here if you need a rock. Caleb needs a rock right there. Anybody up top need a rock? We're coming around with rocks for you up top. Just wave your hands. We're going to get rocks to everybody. everybody. If you're worshiping online with us right now, you will need a rock, okay? So immediately following the service, you're going to run outside and find a rock. If you're watching this on YouTube later, press pause right now. I'll wait. Pause. Good. Go get a rock. Wait, if you paused it, you didn't hear me say that. That didn't work. Anyways, um, everybody needs a rock, okay? So flag them down. You need a rock. If you're wondering what is the rock for, I am not going to tell you. Yet. I'll tell you later. Uh, if you're finding to yourself that the rock has been distracting, like if you're annoyed with the rock, like you've been, I've been trying to worship and that rock, it fell down, it was in my pocket, it was uncomfortable. Good. I want you to be distracted by the rock. We'll get to the rock later. What we're talking about in this series over the next few weeks is we're going back to the Old Testament to look at some of the habits rhythms, and practices that we can develop in our lives to do a better job organizing our life around God's goodness, God's promises, God's truth, God's will, God's wisdom, God's grace, God's mercy, instead of, well, I guess that's sort of the question. What do you organize your life around? Because if it's, you're, you're organizing, if it's not God, if you aren't organizing your life around the goodness and love of God, you're organizing it around something. For a lot of people, their whole life is organized around their career, right? They got a long plan. They're, the whole life has been organized when they, when, what they do with their time, with their money, everything. Or maybe it's, it's kids, your whole life organized around your kids or, or, you know, your family or something like that, you know, or your, or your parents or whatever. What would change if you organized your life around the goodness, love, and mercy, and will, and promises of God? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about some practices that'll help us do that. And the first thing we've got to work on, we've got to work on our memory. If we're going to pull this off, we're going to organize our lives around the goodness of God, we're going to need to have a good memory. And that's hard, I know, because some of you are struggling with your memory right now, right? Like anybody notice that the memory isn't quite what it used to be? It happens. I get it. You know, no judgment. It happens. And memory is a funny little thing. Sometimes when we're forgetful, it, it leads to comedy. I remember this one time, way back in ancient times, you used to fill out your taxes on paper. You would go to the post office and get all these kind of gray forms and you filled out all your taxes on paper. I remember way back in the day, I remember this one year where I was so proud of myself because I had worked so hard and I had filled out our taxes super early. I mean, I'm talking April 12th. Like I was so ahead of the ball game. You know what I'm saying? And all I had to do was remember to mail them. That's all I had to do. 
And April 13th, like every conversation I had with Betsy was, you mail the taxes today, you email the taxes. April 14th, don't forget to mail the taxes. April 15th, we wake up. Her first words to me, not good morning, handsome, but don't forget, mail the taxes today. And so she, I remember I got home early that day and she got home like at six o'clock that day because she had a meeting or something. And um, she, the first thing she says to me, did you remember to mail? I was like, oh no. And so I'm sitting there, I remember sitting in our house thinking to myself, I wonder what happens. Like, I know it's like, I think it's a crime. Is it a crime? Not, I think it's a crime not to pay taxes. Like, what do they do? Like, what happens if I don't mail my taxes today? Like, are there going to be cops on my door the, tomorrow morning? Like, what does that happen? Like, is it at midnight, the FBI arrives and carts you off? Like, what's the rule here? And I didn't know, but I didn't want to risk it. And I had read in the paper, this again, this will show you just how long ago this story was. We used to get our news on the paper, too, and our taxes on the paper. Anyways, I had read in the paper that there was a post office, we were living outside Baltimore at the time, that the main post office in downtown Baltimore was open late on tax day. And so I'm just like, well, uh, okay, I guess I got to do this. And so I loaded up in the car and I drove down and I was a little worried I was going to have trouble finding the place, but I had no problem because there was a huge line of people, hundreds of people lined up to get into the post office. And so I found a place to park and I got a line and they put signs about every hundred feet. There was a sign that said something like in cheery letters, don't worry if you're in this line by 10 PM, you will be allowed to mail your taxes. And so I got in line by about 930 and Hundreds of people ended up being in line behind me. And it was after midnight when I, uh, when I actually you know, made it to the counter, but they still stamped it April 15th. And, and I successfully filed my taxes. And to this day, I still don't know what terrible punishment comes when you fail to file your taxes. But, but see, being forgetful, it can be a problem. And I will mention just on, on, the, on the issue of forgetfulness and consequences, while I don't know I still don't know what the consequences are of forgetting to file your taxes. I do know what the consequences are of forgetting Mother's Day. And they are terrible and severe. So I will warn you, this is your public service announcement. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. Pull out your phone, put whatever reminder you need to make, do what you've got to do. And, and this is what we do, right? When we must remember something, Think about this with me. When we must remember something, we do little things to make sure we remember, don't we? For a lot of us, it is these days, it's reminders on our phone, or maybe you've got some sort of digital calendar. There are three different people who can put stuff on my calendar. Things just show up on my calendar because there are so many things I have to remember. And if they're there, then I'll remember them. Maybe you've done the thing where you tie a string around your finger to make sure you remember something. Maybe you've done the thing where you tie the string around your finger to remember something and then you forget what the string is for, right? Maybe you've done that, you know. I use sticky notes. Um, uh, back early in our marriage, uh, when I would leave and Betsy would say, hey, on your way home, can you remember to pick up something? And I, of course, would always say, yes. And that was always a lie. 
There was no way I was going to, I would just say out of her and then I would come home and she would say, did you remember? And I would say, well, now I do. And so what I started doing was I, I kept sticky notes on the little console of the car. And if she, ever she would say that, as soon as I got in the car, I would write down the thing I was supposed to remember and I would stick it on the steering wheel so that when I got back to the car, it'd be staring me in the face so that I would have a chance. Uh, somehow, even with the sticky notes, I sometimes forgot, but, but at least I had a chance of remembering. Uh, today... I use, I love this method, I'll share this with you. When I really must remember something, I write it on a sticky note and I put it on the screen of my phone. Not the back of my phone, on the screen of my phone. And I work around it, never taking it off. It's hard to use your phone when there's a sticky note on the front of it. But that way I will remember. Because when we must remember something, we do what it takes so that we don't forget to remember right? This is what we do. We, we do this all the time with all kinds of different things when we must remember something. And today we're going to learn a biblical practice to improve our spiritual memories. Because some of us need, just like whether it's reminders, on your, like, just like you do with your normal life, you need some practices to help you improve your spiritual memory. And the reason this is so important is because spiritual forgetfulness is spiritually deadly. Spiritual forgetfulness has grave consequences in our lives. Uh, spiritual forgetfulness can make us proud when we should be humble. Spiritual forgetfulness makes us disobedient when we should be obedient. Spiritual forgetfulness makes us afraid when we should be brave. The consequences of spiritual forgetfulness just, just work their way into every part of our spiritual lives. Uh, the, uh, one of the texts that is probably the most impactful for me about spiritual forgetfulness is Deuteronomy 8. I find myself returning to this text a lot to be reminded to remember. Here's just a little bit from that text. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large, your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness. It was thirsty and waterless land with venomous snakes. And, he, and then, he, see, now he's remembering. This is Moses talking to the people. He says, be careful that you do not forget. And then he reminds them of all that God has done. This is what they can't forget. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, like if you were forgetful, that is, if you forgot all this, you might say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And then he ends with this very dreadful warning that I take very seriously. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Spiritual forgetfulness is spiritually deadly. Spiritual forgetfulness, it makes us afraid when we should be brave. I remember, I can't remember which one of my boys it was, but when we were, they were doing the thing where they were learning how to ride bikes. 
And it was probably our third or fourth day out learning how to ride bikes. I, I, I know it was the day on which they ended up learning. Like that was the day. Like, yay, the first time they rode a bike. It was that day. Um, our driveway was deep, loose gravel. It was a terrible place to learn how to ride a bike. I mean, it was hard for somebody who knew how to ride a bike to ride a bike on our driveway, but it's the driveway we had, so that's where they were learning. And because it was loose gravel, there had been a lot of falling down in our learning how to ride a bike process. And so we go out that day, and I'm like, I think this is the day you were so close last time. We can do this. And I can't remember which one it was, but they're like, Dad, I don't want to do this. I was like, oh, yeah, you do. It'll be so great. We can go biking together. It's going to be awesome. You really want to do this? No, I don't want to. Why not, I ask. And he said, I don't want to fall. I was like, well, that actually makes some sense, right? It's logical. Here's my response. I said, tell me, do you remember what happened the last time we tried and you fell? Do you remember he paused. He says, oh, you caught me. It's like, yeah, I caught you. That's what will happen this time too. And suddenly he went from being afraid to being brave. That happens to me spiritually sometimes. Sometimes I get spiritually fearful because I was spiritually forgetful. I get in a situation where God is calling me to do something. There's a challenge that lies before me or I, lie, I find myself in a circumstance that is scary or a broken relationship, a lost job, some sort of situation that has me afraid. And because I forget how good God has been to me in the past, I get overwhelmed by my fear in the present. I wish I could be more like this dude named Polycarp. Some of you know Polycarp. He was a preacher in a town called Smyrna in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. I don't mean, I mean the actual 60s, 70s, like the original, the first one. So right after the time of Jesus, he knew the apostle John. So we're talking way back in church history. And this guy, near the end of his life, he was arrested and charged with being a Christian, which was true. He was a Christian. Uh, and so he was, he was tied to a post. They'd stacked up wood beneath him. They're getting ready to light it on fire and burn him to death. And the governor, who has ordered his execution, comes to Polycarp and says to him, all right, Polycarp, all you have to do is deny Jesus and we'll let you go. He says, Polycarp, think about your age. Nobody wants to see an old man burned to death. Just deny Jesus and you can live out your days in peace. And here's how Polycarp answers. See, Polycarp, he was an old man, but he still had a good memory. And he said this, for 80 years, my God, my Lord has been faithful to me. Today, I will be faithful to him. You see, a good memory, a strong spiritual memory makes us brave. I want that. So how do we do it? If spiritual forgetfulness is spiritually deadly, but a strong spiritual memory makes us humble and brave and grateful, how do we develop a strong spiritual memory? Well, here's the first thing you need. The first thing you need is about God's word. I want to ask you a question. Now, for a lot of you, the answer to this question is yes. Awesome. Praise God. But if the answer to this question is no, you need to work on it. You need to change it. So here's the question. When you find yourself in a hard spot, do you know the word of God well enough to recount to yourself the faithfulness of God throughout all generations. 
Do you know God's word that well? You find yourself in a tough situation, in a crisis where you are afraid of the next move. Do you know God's word well enough to say, God, you were faithful to Abraham, be faithful to me. God, you were good to Jacob, even though he was quite a mess up, be faithful to me. God, you forgave David even when he killed a man so he could marry his wife. God, would you forgive me in my situation? Do you, if you know God's word well enough to draw on the faithfulness of God from Scripture and apply it to your life? Some of you, the answer is yes. Praise God. You just need to do that in your moments of crisis. Call upon the faithful, the stories of a faithful God that you know very well. Some of you, the answer is no. You don't know God's word well enough. In that case, you need to study God's word. This is, this, is the, this is a gift of God for you, the testimony of God's faithfulness in Scripture. Where would you start? I would start by reading the Gospel of Luke and then the book of Acts and then Psalms. That's just where I'd start. You could start someplace else. The big book. You've you got to figure out somewhere you're going to start. But I'd start there. Luke, Acts, Psalms. If you do that, if you start there to try to anchor your life in the faithfulness of God, after you finish those three books, come find me in the hallway sometime. I'll tell you what to read next. But you start there, Luke, Acts, Psalms. And while you're there, while you're in God's word, learning of the faithfulness of God's people, you might notice a little trick, a little habit that many of God's people had that helped them remember the goodness of God. Again and again and again and again, throughout the Bible, they would stop and make a pile of rocks. It sounds crazy, but it's true. They did it all the time. God was faithful. They recognized the faithfulness of God. And somebody said, you know what we need to do? We need to make a pile of rocks. And often the somebody who said that was God. Here's one, First uh, Samuel 7. I love this one. It's a great story. It's a pretty simple story. Classic Old Testament story. God's people surrounded by an army that was trying to kill them. Pretty classic story. First Samuel 7. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. So they said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below beth And then, what do you do when God miraculously rescues you from the army of the Philistines? Make a pile of rocks. Samuel took a stone. He set it up between Mizpah and Shin. He gave the stone a name. Ebenezer. It means a stone of help, a helpful rock. He said, we're going to call this stone Ebenezer because up till now, we made it this far with the help of the Lord. We made it this far with the help of the Lord. And God's people do this all the time. We can find dozens and dozens and dozens of examples in the Old Testament. Here's another one. Genesis 35. Uh, Jacob is in trouble. He's nervous. He prays to God. He has a vision where God says to him, Jacob, I'm going to care for you. Jacob, I will be with you. Jacob, I will sustain you. Jacob, I will rescue you. 
He wakes up from the vision. The first thing he does is he makes a pile of rocks. He sets up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked to him. He poured a drink offering on it. He poured oil on it so that he would remember the promises of his God. Maybe my favorite one ever is from the book of Joshua. Uh, This is after God has rescued God's people from slavery in Egypt. They've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They have arrived. They can see the land that God has promised for them. The only thing between them and the land of God's promise is the Jordan River, which is flooded, and they cannot get across. And so God tells Joshua, have the people carrying the ark step into the river. And when they step into the river, God stops the water and the whole river goes dry. And the Israelites walk across the flooded Jordan River on dry ground. And when they get to the other side, take a look. Joshua chapter 4 verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe. Tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests were standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take up a stone on your shoulder. And you know how it was, right? People haven't changed that much. You know, they, each tribe picked their strongest young man to go back into the river, get a rock. And they were all showing off for who could carry the biggest rock out of the Jordan River back up to the bank. Each of you take a stone on your shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you. And in the future, when you go on vacation down to the Jordan River, some of you do this. I did this. My kids made fun of me. Dads, I think, have a way of doing this. If every time you drive by the same thing, you say, hey, kids, you know that building over there? Well, we know, Dad. Yeah, we know. You know, that's where you worked your first job or that's where you had whatever. We know the story of that place, Dad. Yeah, whatever. That's what this was. Every time you walk by the pile of the rocks, you tell your kids what they mean. You tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant when it crossed the Jordan and the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones are a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of Israel as the Lord Joshua. They carried them over with them to camp and there they put them down. They made a pile of rocks. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. When God worked a miracle in the life of God's people, when God's people saw the merciful love of God at work in their life, they knew they must remember. And so what did they do? to make sure they had good spiritual memories of a faithful God, they piled up rocks. It's just what they did. The Old Testament world, was, 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 there were piles of rocks everywhere. And they knew that pile of rocks is for the time Jacob prayed. And that time of the rocks is the time water came. And that pile of rocks is for this battle. And that pile of rocks is for this battle. That pile of rocks is for when we prayed and God brought rain all over the place. So I got a question for you. And I want you to be real gentle to yourself when I ask this question. Don't beat yourself up. But I'm just curious. 
do you have a method for making sure you remember and tell about the faithfulness of God in your life? Do you have a method? They had a method. Now, I say be gentle because I think the answer is probably not. I think almost all of us are going, no. I have no method for remembering or telling about the faithfulness of God in my life. I think the reason you probably don't have a method is nobody's probably ever suggested you needed one. This is a really very undertaught spiritual discipline. I don't remember when I learned about it, but it wasn't like I learned about it in the third grade. You know? Okay, so you don't have a method. That's my hunch. Why don't we just fix that today? Let's all get a method. That's what I think we need. I think all of us need a way, a strategy for remembering the faithfulness of God in our life and sharing about it. I know somebody, their strategy is this. Uh, They're a big scrapbooker. You know, every vacation they go on, they make a big book out of it. They have a scrapbook for every year. They have a scrapbook about their kid's graduation. They also have a scrapbook about the faithfulness of God. And whenever there is a significant answer to prayer in their life or a remarkable move of God's spirit, they create a page. They explain the situation. They explain how they prayed. They explain how God acted. And they tell people about it because they don't want to forget. And for some of you, that's what you need to do. You need to start a miracle scrapbook for the, to re- remember and record the faithfulness of God in your life. As for me, I would need to hear an auditory command of God before I would take up scrapbooking. I can imagine nothing more horrible than having to take, I mean, that would, be, that would be the curse of God on my life if I had to take up scrapbooking. So that's not going to be my method, but maybe that'll be yours. I'll tell you another, another method I learned from somebody. Um, I was hanging out uh, with a guy. Uh, we were kind of in the, uh, he had a fire pit out behind his house and a bunch of us, it was kind of the end of a party and there were five or six of us left and you were kind of winding down and nobody really wanted to go home but we didn't really have anything to do. And you know how it is, you just end up talking. And usually you just end up talking about kind of nothing. But this guy didn't want to talk about nothing and so he just out of the blue, he says this. He says, hey, how about this? While we're sitting here around the fire, how about every person tell one story of a a time when God answered your prayers in an amazing way, or one time when God blessed you in a remarkable and unexpected way that you still rejoice about today. And so we just did it, just sitting there around the fire. We just one person after another after another. It was amazing. I mean, all of us walked away with hearts full of faith because we heard these stories. I got to do this uh, just Thursday night. I was with some spiritual friends. Uh, for a Bible study, and um, as we were winding down the Bible study, we did this exact thing, um, and, and we just we were sitting in a circle, and I just said, okay, we're just going to go around and just tell a story of when God has answered a prayer in a remarkable way, or when God kind of accomplished a miracle in your life and amazed you with God's faithfulness and goodness and love. Just tell one story, and so we just went around, and each person told a story, and I'm telling you, half of us were in tears. I went home. I was just so pumped up as I went home, reminded of God's faithfulness faithfulness and miracles, the stories, they were amazing stories, just, just powerful testimonies of God's power and goodness in people. I, the things I never thought I would hear. It was, I, you know, I could hardly sleep that I was just so excited about the goodness of God. Maybe that's what you need to do is develop that practice. When you're sitting around with people, tell the stories of God's faithfulness in your life. But maybe 
you should try rocks. Like, let's just, let's just do, right? We, we, let's just do the thing they did in the Bible. Let's just try rocks, all right? Anybody way back in the day ever have a pet rock? Anybody have a pet rock? A few people got a pet rock? Did your pet rock have a name? Yeah. You know, can you tell me? Rocco. All right. Awesome. Okay. Well, if you never had a pet rock with a name, I'm gonna, you're going to name a rock right now. Okay. Everybody got your rock. Get your rock out. Get your rock out. Find your rock. We're going to give your rock a name. Okay. Now you don't get to pick it. I'm going to tell you the name. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going to tell you. We're all going to use the same name. Okay. We're going to use the name Samuel picked. The name of your rock is Ebenezer. Say quick. Say hi, Ebenezer. Hi, Ebenezer. Okay. That name means helpful rock. That's what Ebenezer means. Helpful rock or, or rock of help. Ebenezer, your helpful rock. Why did Samuel give the rock the name Ebenezer? He said, because we made it this far with the help of God. We made it this far with the help of God. Now you've got a rock. It's named as Ebenezer. And I, whenever you look at it, I wanted to remind you you made it this far with, by God's help. You made it this far by God's help. You made it this far by God's help. I'm not saying it was easy. I'm not saying it was smooth sailing. I'm not saying everything worked out, but you made it this far by the grace of God. I want to challenge you to put this rock somewhere where it's going to annoy you. Put it somewhere where it will be in your way. Okay, uh, I, the dash of my car, kind of where all those gauges are, kind of has this big kind of bucket thing. I'm going to put mine right there. So every time I turn, it'll slide back and forth. If somebody rear ends me, it's going to fly off and hit me in the head. And when it happens, it'll remind me that I made it this far by God's help. Every time I see it, it'll remind me that's what I'm going to do with mine. Where are you going to put your rock? Maybe you're going to put it in the back pocket. You're going to carry it in your back pocket, every pair of pants you own. And pretty soon, you remember back in the day when people used to have the, the skull cans and everybody had a circle in their back pocket? Every pair of pants they owned had that identical circle. Well, you're going to do that. You're going to put your rock in the back pocket of every pair of pants you own. And you're going to wear a hole through every pair of pants you own. People say, what's wrong with your pants? And you're going to say, I made it this far by God's help. Yes, you can see my underwear, but I made it this far by God's help. Okay? I made it this far by God's help. Where are you going to put your rock so you don't forget? That's what, that's what Samuel said. We can't forget this, people. That's what he said. We can't forget what God just did here. So we're going to put that thing right along the road, he said. That's what they did. They put it right along the road between one town and the next. So every time you walk back and forth from one town to the next, you say, hey, kids, you know what that rock is? Yes, Dad. Yes, Mom. It's the rock about the time that the Philistine army attacked and God made it thunder so loud they got scared and we were saved. So, yeah, we know that story. Maybe you want to go past that. Maybe you need bigger rocks than this, okay? Go find some rocks. Make a pile. I have, I have lots of rocks, uh, literal rocks, in my, in my, in my, around my yard that I could tell you where they're from and what their story is, what miracle they represent, what, what act of God's faithfulness and goodness they represent to me, what, 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 what mercy, what particular mercy of God they mean to me. Maybe you need to do that. Start your rock pile, and every time... God, you experience the particular mercy of God. You're going to go there. You can go just down the road. There's a place you can buy stones called Hip Stone. I love this place. Buy a lot of stone there. You can just drive down to the stone shop. You're going to buy another rock and you're going to add it to the pile. And people will say, what's the deal with the weird rock pile? 
And you'll say, oh, that's, that's my memory pile, so I don't forget. This stone is about the time God saved my marriage, and this stone is about the time that God reconciled me with my folks, and this, time, this stone is about the time I lost my job, and, and I prayed and prayed and prayed, and just when, just when I was about to give up, God was faithful and came through with a job, and, and it worked out better than I ever imagined. This stone is about God's, and you'll have that pile of rocks. I, 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 don't, know, I don't just use rocks. My office is filled with souvenirs of the goodness of God. Maybe that's what you want to do. Maybe you're going to, like you'd buy souvenirs from vacation. You're going to keep cards and mementos. Uh, just two or three weeks ago, I, was, um, I had to make a phone call that I wasn't too excited about. I'd made a mistake, and I had to call somebody to apologize and reconcile a relationship. And it was going to be an awkward phone call, and they might have been mad at me. And I don't like it when people are mad at me. And I, I was not looking forward to this phone call. And so I was praying beforehand, trying to gather my strength to make this phone call. And while I was praying, I saw over on my desk one of these mementos of God's faithfulness that I keep, a kind of a souvenir of salvation right there on my desk. And it was actually from a very similar time when I had messed up in ministry and I had to apologize and reconcile, and God was faithful in that. And suddenly, in the middle of my prayer, my prayer changed. My prayer had been, oh God, please, oh God, oh God, I'm in so much trouble, oh God, please help. That's not a bad prayer. But then I saw that and my prayer changed. And all of a sudden my prayer was, oh God, I remember. You have been faithful for me to before in this exact spot. I have been in this exact spot and you were faithful to me before. And I am expecting and counting on your faithfulness in this present moment. And suddenly I, I shifted from a posture of fear to a posture of bravery from a posture of kind of, you know, selfishness to a posture of gratitude. See, here's the thing. It is harder to remember than you think. We tell ourselves, when we experience some goodness of God in our life, we tell ourselves, oh, I'll never forget this. I, am, I will remember how God has answered my prayer today. Well, we were sharing our staff meeting, and several of our staff were sharing specific answers to prayer. And what I said to them is, don't you forget how God just answered that prayer, because we think we'll never forget. But what do we do? We forget. Almost immediately, God is merciful to us. God rescues us. And as soon as we wind up in a tight situation again, it's like none of that ever happened. We're like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? As if God hasn't been faithful to you all this time. I'll just tell you a little testimony about me. I don't know if this will be true for you, but this is true for me. I want you to know this. Here's the thing I've observed. Whenever I find myself in a season of pride, or a season of disobedience, or a season of fear. And I come to my senses, and I repent of my sin, I can always look back and discover that before that season of pride was a season of forgetfulness. Before that season of sin was a season of forgetfulness. Before that season of fear was a season of forgetfulness. I forget the goodness of God and the love of God, and so I am afraid when I encounter struggle. I forget the mercy of God and the grace of God, so I am prideful when I succeed, forgetting that it was all God, not me. I forget the will of God and the wisdom of God, and so I disobey, 
and follow my own way instead of God's. Whenever I am in a season of pride or fear or disobedience, it is always preceded by a season of forgetfulness. But when you remember to remember the goodness of God in your life, it changes. Fear becomes bravery and disobedience becomes obedience and pride becomes humility. I love Psalm 77. Psalm 77 is an example of someone who remembered at just the right time. I wonder if he, if he looked at his mint window in the middle of the psalm and maybe he saw a pile of rocks. Here's this, Psalm 77, listen to this. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I couldn't sleep, and I was too troubled to speak. I couldn't talk. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered when I used to sing praises in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, listen to these questions. Some of you know the pain of these questions. Will the Lord reject me forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Maybe this is the question you're asking. People ask me this sometimes. Ethan, do you think God's mad at me? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? And then, I wonder, did he look out his window and see a pile of rocks? And remember to remember, here's what he says. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will raise my Ebenezer. I've made it this far by the help of God. I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Skipping a little bit, he says, your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. He remembered to remember. And his fear turned to bravery, his pride to gratitude, his disobedience to obedience. Now, here's the thing. I know that for almost all of us, this is a completely new idea. The idea of having a a habit, a practice, to help you remember the goodness of God in your life, I know for most of us, is a totally new idea. And I sort of apologize that, because new ideas are always weird. Like, what do you do with, like, I don't know, this all feels weird. I know, it feels weird to me too. Except, it's all over the Bible. Like, we could just do dozens of stories like this. So, without apology, I'm going to challenge you to try something completely new. Here's challenge number one. Keep your rock. If you're worshiping online, as soon as we're done, go out and find a rock. And what's its name? 
Ebenezer is the name of your rock, the helpful rock. Why do we call it Ebenezer? Because it reminds you that you have made it this far by the grace of God. And the same God who has been faithful to you up till now will be faithful to you as you move forward in obedience and trust. That's challenge number one. Keep this rock, put it somewhere obnoxious so it will annoy you and remind you to anchor your trust in God. Here's challenge number two. Start a pile of rocks. Maybe not literally. Maybe start a journal or a scrapbook or a souvenir collection or mementos of God's miracles, whatever you need. But maybe literally. You might literally need a pile of rocks. It worked for God's people then. Why not, right? Whenever God is uniquely merciful and gracious to you, put a rock down. Maybe you need to go back before you forget some of the recent mercies of God in your life. Pile up three or four rocks. This one's for that, and this one's for that. And then when you see the rock pile, tell the story. Tell the story so much you get bored of them and sick of them so that when you need to remember, you know how. I know it's a new idea, but it's super biblical, and it will strengthen your faith. Let me pray for you. God, we want to be a people of good memories, of strong memories, memories of your faithfulness that protect us from pride, protect us from disobedience, protect us from fear, God. And so we ask that we might take up this weird little habit that your people have been doing for thousands of years, a habit to help us remember the faithfulness of God. This is what we need. Pray, give us the strength to do it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.